Art Talk, a place where artists talk about art things and stuff about creativity to help you do art stuff too. My head's a bit fuzzy. We're back with another podcast and Mel's in the studio with us. Hey, Mel. Um, Hey, guys. Hey, Mel. Just because of the way that we record this podcast, you're probably listening to this in the future. Most podcasts are like that. Or the past. Or the present. Yeah. Today, tomorrow, tonight. Yeah, whatever. But yeah, it's a crazy day. We've, we're going back into lockdown. So if you listen to this in the future, we're either out of lockdown already or we're like four weeks in. How weird to talk like that. You know, just trying to figure out shit. Right? Yeah. You just mm. never know, man. You just never know. It's going to be a crazy couple of weeks. But if you're in lockdown now, you're probably enjoying this podcast because you're probably bored. Bored as batshit. And it's been a good day. We, we just had... Ego in the studio and Mitch is still smiling, so I'm loving it. Well, yeah, I was as I said when I just walked back in, like to have Ego here and sit him down and just capture that on audio. He's the reason that we're here. If you really break it down, because without the inspiration of Ego's art and that interaction that I had with him back in 2014, there'd be no gallery. There'd be yeah. no. Well, there, there might be, but it would be different, much different. And for me, the thing I got most out of that podcast was just his gratitude towards life Mm. and as i said to you if i'm 85 and i'm looking back on my life with that much gratitude that's just become a goal for me (laughs) you know like and that really impacted me because and i tried to dig deeper on that is yeah because we talk so much about this creativity stuff that we're talking about and there's there is so much conversation about the traditional routes and creative routes and what's right and what's wrong but he said it so clearly he's like i just had the beautiful possibility to just do what I want and sort of make a craft about and make my life around it. And then at the end, there's someone who is a bit older and he's like still smiling and talks so passionately about what he did with his life. So it's like, also a little bit heartbreaking because I like I was thinking about myself being him at some point. Yeah. And there does come a time where you become old and frail. Yeah. And I saw that look on your face when you, well, when you said, I can't, I can't create anymore. And he didn't want to create because he couldn't do it the way he wanted to. So, that'd be a whole process there as well. Fuck. Yeah. And I guess the motivator behind that is to make the most of everything now and, you know, inspire as much as you can well, and pass that on to the next That generation. could almost become a mantra for you. It's like the Stoics talk about contemplating death on a daily basis and in one way that can feel very daunting and and morbid i think it was marcus aurelius said that you should just contemplate death once a day for a couple of minutes and then let it go so it's not dwell on death each day but it's to wake up each morning and go one day i'm not going to be here so how am i going to live my life today <laughs> you know <laughs> you know it's funny about that i reckon every every three or four days i run into the house and i'm just probably high on coffee and everything else that's going on and emily will do something and i'll be like refer back to that and say hey we like i could i could be dead tomorrow and she's like don't like don't, don't say that I'm like well it's you know it's it's gonna happen at some point yeah. you know so like yeah uh, i don't know i'm a bit off my head right now too whatever <laughs> so we're back for episode 32 no uh i don't know what episode this will probably be episode nine i have a challenge though because there's something that i want to do and i think you're going to be on board for this i'm i'm saying this can be a motivator for us i'm saying episode 15 I really want to bring Kelly into the studio and have a chat with Kel. We won't get a fucking word in. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I just want that for us to be a motivator. And I just want to hear Kel's story. And I want to bring it in I here. love that. Yeah. yeah so, I was only joking now. Yeah. I'd love to have Kelly. <laughs> Kelly's another like a big part of 
the MRG. Yeah, I just think that there's going to be something really special we're going to get out of that conversation that we're not even going to know yet what it is. And she's going to bring some wisdom that's just going to blow our minds. So, for our listeners, Kelly is our gallery manager. And for episode 15, we're going to bring her on the podcast. Yeah, I love it. Yes. Art talk. We talk art here and we create it at MitchRevs.com. You showed me this message the other day and I think that's going to be the intention for our podcast today and I think it's really impactful and it's actually a really good contrast off the back of what we've just done because we spoke to Ego who lived a creative life and obviously leaned into the archetype of artist and really thrived through it. And then you got a message the other day which you're going to read out for us. Oh, yeah. It's kind of the other end of the spectrum when you'll find out why in a second after the break. No, you're going to do it now. <laughs> so, I'm not going to drop any names here. Okay, um, cool. Just out of respect. But yeah, I received a message a week or two ago, which really kind of hit home to me because it made me think how many people out there are holding themselves back from creating due to lack of confidence and fear of judgment. And the message reads, when I was young, I mucked around with photography and art. When I left school, I did an apprenticeship in graphic reproduction. I was a film combiner, plate maker, planner, loved it, learned about color reproduction in the old school ways. When all the darkroom stuff died and the Macs came in, I learned all the Apple stuff, worked on magazines, packaging and large formats, screen printing. I worked my way up in the company and over 21 years became an art director. I designed and put together the big W stuff, including directing the photo shoots. Anyway, now after being made redundant four years ago, I'm trying to get back into a creative job. What I want to ask you after all that is, am I actually an artist? I paint, draw, and create, but I have no qualifications. At what stage can I call myself an artist? And that, yeah, right? There's an exhale that comes after that because you're like, wow, there's a world out there where people don't know. And do you know what I think is even more crazy? I think that actually makes up a a large majority of people out there Mm -hmm. because we do have these outliers and people in society that can just feel it and they know that they're an artist and they just do it. But that creative resistance that's being discussed there or shared is like, it makes up a big portion of people. There's so many of us that fear the judgment of ourselves. This Mm -hmm. is the bit though. And I'm going to share a story here because something, when you read that to me the first time, like my own journey resonates with that. And I've done so much work around that specific area. And the story I'm going to share is after my motorbike accident, my whole sort of life shifted from being a a professional parkour athlete. And I started a company with my friends and everything was going really, like really, really well. You know, we were at the top of the field. We were, you know, we'd created this amazing thing. But through a series of events, my life just rapidly shifted. I'd been living in Asia for half a decade. I was on this very specific path and then suddenly everything changed. And then I came back to Newcastle. I was trying to work out which direction I was going to go in my life. And because of the feeling of of overwhelm with how much life had changed, I started to question my sort of own skill set. And even though I'd been really, really good at parkour, I started to get that sort of imposter syndrome as well. And my friend here in Newcastle, his name's Rod Cooper. It, It was about eight months after 
I had gone through a lot of my healing process physically <laughs> from after the accident and I walked into the Movement Collective here in Newcastle and Rod and I had been talking on social media and we'd become friends just online, but we'd never met in person. Mm-hmm. I walked in one day into the TMC and he was like, Sean, it's so awesome you're here. What are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm here. I want to come start training with you guys. He's like, I've seen your stuff online. You know, do you want to come and teach here? And I was like, me? Like, you want me to teach here? Like, what has anyone got to learn from me? He's like, dude, I've seen your clips on on Instagram. You're like incredible at parkour. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, I, I'm good. I'm really good. But I've, I've got nothing to share. Like, why? no one's going to want to mm-hmm. learn from me. And when I broke this down later on in reflection, what I was worried about was because I'd been at a high level of parkour for so long and all the people that were around me were the top 1% to 5% of the sport, my comparison of what it was to be good or even just to be okay at parkour was the top 5% of the sport. Mm -hmm. There was nothing that existed for me outside of that. And when I was having resistance around putting content online or creating or, you know, there's three types of content you can put online, entertainment, inspiration, or educational. And for someone like me, there's a whole place I could be creating content around educating people how to do parkour or how to podcast on my own where I did marketing knowledge for parkour brands. And it was really successful and yeah. it was good, but this was after I did this work. But so, when I was thinking about creating or sharing, the people that I was comparing myself to was the top 5% of the sport. And the reality is that's probably like a thousand people in the world. I shouldn't be trying to appeal to those people in the first place because what there is, is there's 95% of people who Mm -hmm. are maybe new to parkour or are still in their first couple of years of the journey that I can give so much value to. So, what happens with this person who's messaged you is because he, yeah, no, he follows you and he probably there's probably a part of him that looks up to you in your artwork um, and he's probably been around other artists for a lot of his life. The resistance coming quite often from my experience comes from us worrying about what that 5% of people are going to think about us, about if I was to call myself an artist or if I was to call myself. I even still to this day, when I say I was a professional parkour athlete, there's a thought that goes through my head most of the time that goes, oh, what are the other pros going to think about that? But it's true. I think we all do that. We all do that. And so, for me, it's this whole thing. And then the last bit is that, it's actually what we think about ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of the time, it's it's our own judgments of other people and what they're doing and then the judgments of ourselves that are hardest because what I actually learned when I did start putting this educational stuff out there was these one or two people that were in my head that I was worried about what they were going to think of me, they were actually the first people that messaged me and congratulated me to, for what I was doing and came on my podcast the next week. Where and how did that make you feel oh my after that? God, one of them was yeah, I'll just say it. it. Like it was my oh, I don't need to use names, but they were like some of my closest friends and yeah, I had so much time that I was worried about what they were going to think about me and that they were just like cool, when can I come on? And that interview that I did, it was like it was like you with Ego just before. I had the biggest smile yeah, on my face for the whole crazy. time. So, yeah, a lot of the time it's like we critique ourselves and we're really hard on ourselves. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, this guy, like from everything that you read, like that for me, he's definitely an artist. 
Oh, absolutely. He's probably more of an artist than than we are. Yeah. You know, he's got he's got the experience on on me. And I mean, my answer to that is there is no time that it takes to become an artist. You know, we're we're artists from the time that we find creativity at a young age. It's yeah. just whether we choose to accept and explore the avenues within that yeah yeah like speaking to ego he it took him eight years to get to a place of profession where he was actually making money out of it i'm sure his underlying motivator wasn't to make a profit from it either which is a similar story to me like i never started making art planning to have a career out of it and i think that's where the artistry lies it's not with having the intention to make something from it it's just to create from a place of peace and passion Mm. so i think anyone out there that's kind of on that seesaw thinking have i been making for long enough to consider myself or put artist in my instagram handle name am i an artist at, at this point yes you are There's another bit I want to move into after this because it just transitions perfectly. But just to wrap this part up, I'll share what happened when I did start actually leaning into that. And that was that my classes that I was running at TMC, they became some of those people's favorite classes. Mm. When I started my podcast, I was getting messages constantly from people thinking like... One of the most beautiful parts of that experience was actually, I quite often like to share share strategy and you'll hear through this podcast me talking some episodes about specific strategy. And there was one strategy that I shared on my own podcast that I watched someone in the community actually almost execute almost word by word and then create a thriving business through something that I'd given through the podcast, Mm. you know, and it was through educational stuff in Instagram through images and it was almost to the T what I'd said. And that was what we talked about before. It's like, even if it's just one person that you're adding value to, that's a beautiful thing. Mm. So, when I finally leaned into that and stopped being so hard on myself, it actually started to help other people as well. How does your art talk? Email sean at mitchrevs.com. All right. So, what we're going to move into here is, is a question I want to ask you, Mitch. And that's if you feel like there is or if you have had to sacrifice anything from choosing the life that you have as an artist do you feel like there needs to be a sacrifice to become an artist or if there's anything that you have sacrificed by doing so that's a broad question narrow that down for me a okay bit. so let me just sit on this for one second sorry my brain's not good with processing yeah. words like that yeah, i said yeah. pictures not words <laughs> you know what while you're thinking about that i only realized the other night that when watching movies i think i told this to you the other day which seems so ridiculous mm. i never follow the story I only watch the pictures. Yeah. I never yeah. I never know what's going on. Yeah, I, I kind of do a similar thing. <laughs> I can't process I, it. I like to watch where the cuts are because I do video. So, you'll see. Like, yeah, I, and yeah. my brain's always going, like, how did they do this? Rather than, like, what the fuck's yeah, going on. Yeah, sometimes, like, we're watching Harry Potter last night. And I was just like, I don't care what's going on. I just, like. <laughs> oh, I they got that owl to do yeah. a backflip. Yeah, yeah. So, when I was 18, I read a book uh, called Vagabonding, right? And it's essentially how to live this unconventional lifestyle of long-term travel with a, a very little amount of money, right? And that's kind of... That one book shaped like the next 10 years of my life, right? I, I moved to Asia. Isn't the answer just two-minute noodles? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that's all I think of when someone's like, I'm just going to live like a skimp for a while. It's just like, well, go buy... Yeah, two-minute noodles. That's yeah, the answer. Yeah. Go on. 
essentially for me to live the life that I wanted to, which was this at this time, a parkour athlete, there wasn't business opportunities within the sport. I had to, I did have to make a lot of sacrifices to do so. <laughs> <laughs> Two minute noodles. <laughs> in in thailand so they were like five baht noodles they weren't even two dollars yeah i just there is this story we've spoken about a few times about this this narrative of a struggling artist Mm -hmm. do you think that that has to be the way that's the question or do you think there's sacrifices that have to be made in the earlier parts of a creative journey right i've got you yeah no i don't yeah i don't think there needs to be sacrifices made i think it just like i think one thing that needs to be considered when starting if you're wanting to make it a career choice Mm -hmm. is establish what it is exactly that you're trying to do Mm -hmm. it's like that energy chart that we've got on the wall it's great to have all these ideas and i get caught up with doing it daily Mm -hmm. i want to have a clothing line i want to do all these things i want to do the podcast and like it's okay to have this great vision of like this big functioning art place but start small you know and it's like it's really about just figuring out exactly what you want to do like like any business like you need a strategy and a marketing plan and a business plan of what Mm. what it is so treat like treat it as a business as opposed to just being a sole artist Mm. there's no sacrifice Mm. i don't think so but like let's play let's play the other hand what do you think what's the sacrifice well yeah i know i agree with you i don't think there has to be a sacrifice you only need to sacrifice if you're trying to do it quickly am i answering this correctly yeah well i like that we're stuck on this because it's yeah there's there's something to be talked about around that and I, I guess it's me sharing some of the early days of my journey and this is where it's, a, yeah, a little bit different is I guess the art form that I, I took had a lesser known path at the time. Mm. You know, we were the second generation of parkour athletes and there wasn't opportunity at that point. There was if you went into stunts or the sort of stuff you could make money from in parkour at that time was brand collaborations, like big corporate gigs, doing shows and stuff like that. The thing was, we didn't want to do it that way. You know, Mm. like there was a more certain path that we could have taken, but we really wanted to create the culture. That's sort of where we really wanted to lean towards. And there was some uncertainty around that path. It could have not have worked. Yeah. Um, And I guess when I talk about sacrifices, I did move away from my family at 18 for for five years. I have three brothers and a sister. I have a big family. And mm. I did miss a little bit of, a fair bit of, I came home when I was 26 and my youngest brother, I remember the day he said to me, I don't feel like I know you very well. Yeah, that must have been hard to take. Yeah, so I think there's just something around that that I'm talking because do I think that was essential for the journey? No, I don't think it was. But in my own personal journey, that I feel like there has been some sacrifices that were made. And so, yeah, that's why I was interested in you, your opinion on that. Because, yeah, there's probably a lot of younger creatives listening to this. And yeah, I don't want them to have to make mistakes or not. We, we could just lead, the, lead guess, the way for them. Yeah, I guess like being an artist is definitely something that makes you a little reclusive, a bit more withdrawn. But I think also you understand that that is who you are when you are starting the journey. It's not like, all right, I'm making the decision. Tomorrow I'm the artist and I'm going to stop hanging out with all my mates because I'm going to lock my way self in the bedroom and I'm going to work on this exhibition. It doesn't really work like that. For me, the, my, my choice to create the work was the priority. It wasn't like something that I was sacrificing to be 
a part of the... What about from like just a plain social standpoint? Has there been points where you've chosen to sit and create rather than be out raging with friends? Or were you ever sort of put out with those types of options where you chose, all right, I'm going to actually sit and do the, the art today rather than go and do this really fun thing? Yeah, for sure. But that comes with any job, you know, like there's always jobs that you have to work on. Yet, yeah, like from the outside looking in, I'm not sure if people who are working, you know, nine to five, look at someone that's labeled as an artist and just think that they sit at home and paint all day. Some Very, people have those narratives. Well, yeah, they do. But it's still like I remember my dad saying to me when I was kind of at that point where I was starting to like get all these cool jobs and make some decent money and and he was like, mate, don't worry. At some point, it will become work. And I was like, didn't want to believe it. You know, I was like, nah, this is this is as good as it gets. Like, I'm just going to be able to paint whatever I want all the time and just sell them. And he was kind of like letting me find that out my own way. And, you know, it, it does happen. Like, at some point, there's things that get in the way that yeah. restrict you from being... Well, you just hit on a really uh, interesting thing there because I have heard people... And I love... This is why I like to ask you these questions because I love your positive outlook on all of this stuff. Mm. And I'm constantly learning from you a, a different ways to, to look at the world. But I have heard the narrative before of people who have a passion and then they start a business with it and then it becoming, quote, unquote, work has stripped the passion out of it. Yeah. Did you ever hit that point and if not like how have you has that not happened to you i feel like i've felt that a lot lately the art side of things has become more of a chore because i am creating not from a place of peace and passion Mm. it's becoming more about because we're trying to we're at the i feel like i'm at this crucial point right now where there's so many things that are about to happen and there's a lot of work and time that i need to invest into that having a team of three or four of us now also having to micromanage you guys to make sure you're happy and Mm. comfortable because without you i wouldn't be able to make it work there's a lot of stepping stones and little hurdles things that i need to nurture which pull me away from making the art Mm. and that's when it starts to feel like work you know Mm. there's spot fires that need to be put out and i i pray for the day where i get to wake up and just sit at home and make art and i don't feel like i'm far from it and hear me out I could definitely wake up tomorrow and just paint. Yeah. But would I be not thinking about all these other things that I have to action? No. Will I ever get to a point where I am at peace with that and I can just paint? Probably not. Yeah. And that's just because I am who I am and I'm ambitious <laughs> and I want to do I want to do more and I want to inspire more. So I think I'm just kind of chasing my tail. Yeah. Oh, man, I totally relate to that. I think people with the energy output of us, it, it's very hard. Sometimes for me, even right now with all the setup, I'm, I constantly feel like I'm not doing enough. Mm. You know what I mean? I'm constantly like, oh, I need to take on more. I need to do more. Like, I don't know how to switch off when at five o'clock and, and I go home. Like, yeah. my brain doesn't stop working when I get home. I'm like planning the next thing thinking about what i can create well, that's it it's almost like the answer is just do more and don't worry about it and just let it figure out like we're sitting here in a booth talking about things we should be doing <laughs> you know we're happy to sit here for four hours and and fucking talk shit but we can't find four hours to do the shit we got to do yeah well i'm on top of my work so it's all good <laughs> um but no i think uh sacrifice is definitely yeah that's something there and, and it also is like this talk around people wanting to fast track it take your time 
Yeah. I get it. I get it. Like, there's so many artists out there and it's almost like every time you pick up your phone, also with the analytics, it, it's going to put more art in front of you, which then also inspires, but can also have a negative reaction to you feeling like you're not doing enough. Yeah. well, And, and that happens for me. As Ego said, eight years, man. Eight years before he, he become a professional. Mm. Who waits eight years? That's, that's mastery. That's his apprenticeship. Mm. You know, that's a full apprenticeship. He was a master before he got paid. How many hours? They say it's 10,000 hours, but, you know, and then it's, you can hack it and it's 200 hours. You know, whatever it is, he did his apprenticeship. Yeah. And sometimes in this day and age, we we want to fast track everything. And as you were saying about analytics and, you know, YouTube these days, when you upload to YouTube, there's an app you can download and it compares how the first hour of your video did it did compared to the last video yeah, and wow. if your video is not as good in the first 30 seconds it won't push it to as many people and there's green arrows and red arrows and so the psychology around it like if a video goes up and you're in the red you think so you're already on trying to create the next video for the next day to get green and it's this psychology that's being built and it's like do more do more it's create gambling it's like kind of like gambling and it's exactly tapping into the same places you know i did this 30 day video challenge last year where i was uploading every day for 30 days and yeah man like i woke up each morning and the first thing i did was check the app to see if i was in the green well and, yeah and then if i wasn't i was like i have to work harder today 28 days in man Ooh, i was burnt out out well i'd pledge this month to do a drawing a day for 30 days and then you happen to leave my fucking apple pencil at work <laughs> so i couldn't do it and i felt guilty yeah are you gonna still keep creating it though yeah i gotta do two today oh, yeah, i love i love the are oh, you gonna do two i got it i love the kangaroo one though that was sick yeah it was funny yeah it, it was, was funny. funny yeah yeah well, awesome well this is actually the longest podcast we did without a guest so far so yeah interesting should we just kind of mumble and make some noise for the next 50 seconds to make it 30 minutes <laughs> now i've said everything i wanted to say i think that was a really good topic to talk about so hopefully people can benefit and get a little bit of educational material out of that yeah and i mean this is it we're just here having a conversation just for point of reference i mean we do plan i, I come in with notes and stuff but just want to keep these as conversations and i'm learning from you and you're learning from me and hopefully a couple of people are learning from us uh, hey Mel, come in and just say something so we can finish this up. First thing that comes to your head. First thing that comes to you. I'm gonna do with a beer. <laughs> <laughs> it's five o'clock somewhere. If you've made it this far, what are you doing with your life? Go and give us a five-star review on iTunes.